So for the younger ones or anyone who wants to listen, it's fine. We sometimes think of Mary and Joseph and Jesus, the three of them together as the Holy Family. And I like that image. And I hope that if you have creches and nativity scenes, they're still up and you still have them together. Maybe they're still with the shepherds and the angels. And on Wednesday, we can welcome the Magi into the Holy Family. They'll be there as well. If you could see clearly, we have the church's manger scene nativity set on the altar behind me, and it's beautiful. And we have the Magi waiting on the eastern side of the altar for their appearance on Wednesday. But sometimes when we think of the Holy Family, we only think of Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And one of the important things that we need to remember is that we too are part of the Holy Family. Even before God made the world, God loved us and chose us to be part of God's holy family. And it was through Jesus Christ that we all came in and were adopted to be part of that family. And this is what God wanted to do, to have this huge family that spanned all the countries of the world, that spanned all ages of time. And God was very happy to do that for us. One of the ways that God's family stays strong and stays connected, besides coming together in worship or on Zoom worship, is when we say the greeting of peace to each other. And so we have a way of saying, peace be with you. And that's kind of a way of also saying, I'm part of God's family, you're part of God's family, and we're all in this together. So maybe you could uh, help me do this, because I know on the screen you can see everybody there. Repeat and point to people on the screen. Just repeat after me. You. You. Me. Me. He. He. She. They, they're all part of, they're all part of, God's family, because, that's what God planned for me, for me, for me, thank you God, amen, thank you God, amen. Amen, amen, amen. And now for the older ones among us, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In 1675, a fire destroyed most of London, England. So therefore, many of London's most impressive, beautiful, famous buildings were built between 1675 and 1725. 
1684, Sir Christopher Wren laid the cornerstone for what would be probably his greatest building. And you know which one I'm talking about? St. Paul's Cathedral. How many of you have been to St. Paul's Cathedral? Nope. A few of us. It took only 35 years to complete. That's not too bad. And when it was finished, Queen Anne took a tour of the building. Wren waited breathlessly to see what she would say about it. And at the end of a very thorough tour, the queen pronounced her verdict. She said, it's awful, it's amusing, it's artificial. What? Awful, amusing, artificial? Wren must have been devastated, we might think. But he wasn't. In fact, he was delighted. In those days, the word awful meant full of awe, awe-inspiring, awesome. And amusing meant amazing, unbelievable. And artificial meant artistic and lovely. So what sounds to us like a devastating critique was to Wren's ears the highest praise. Today's gospel lesson says, the word became flesh and lived among us. And I'm wondering how we make sense of that sentence in our modern world. Perhaps it's a little foreign to our ears and our understanding is much like the way we understand the Queen's praise of Wren's Cathedral. It must be admitted that the whole concept of the incarnation, God's act of becoming human, has been difficult for many people to comprehend and to accept in any time and place, let alone in the Western world and in the 21st century. But Martin Luther gives us a hint. He says, it is a mystery of humanity in Christ that he sunk himself into our flesh. It really is beyond all human understanding. It is not a truth that can be explained by science or proven by logic. It can only be proclaimed as a revealed truth. But once it's been proclaimed, it can be explored so as to better understand the difference that this mystery makes in our lives. In these few verses, the writer of the Gospel of John explores and combines two philosophical and religious ideas current in the first century in order to get at what happened when God was born as a human baby in Bethlehem. There is, from the Greek, the word logos, and there is that word that really means the truth or wisdom of God. And then there's the Jewish biblical idea that when God created the world, God spoke and the world came into being. 
So God said, let there be light, and there was light. John then taps into the early church's memory and proclamation about the man Jesus and the things that he said and did. And then he puts them all together with soaring poetic prose to show us Jesus as the living expression of God's truth and wisdom spoken into earthly experience. John proclaims to us that Jesus was the living, breathing, very human, creative, and life-giving power of God. John shows to us God on one side and humanity on the other, and Jesus in the middle as the word which God spoke to us about God's love and God's purpose for us all. Uh, quite a few years ago, I presided at a funeral for a man whose son was there. The man was a simple factory worker. The son had done very well for himself. He was a medical doctor, well-respected in his specialty, who traveled all over the world to share what he knew about his specialty. And at the funeral, uh, his son, the doctor, said that so often he called home to talk with his father, but he oftentimes apologized to him that he couldn't be there to do a face-to-face -face visit with him. But his father would say to him, it's okay, son, Alexander Graham Bell would, uh, as a great man, invented something that allows us to continue to be cheek to cheek anytime we want. So in a similar way, Jesus was God's way of being cheek to cheek with us. It's important because it made God's love for us real and tangible. Holy love is a little like human love in that it has to be embodied in order to be experienced. It is one thing to believe in romantic love, in two people finding their heart's desire in each other with the candlelight dinners, the moonlight walks, eternal bliss, and so on. It's quite another thing for two people to live together, to struggle to work out their differences, to accept one another's flaws and shortcomings, and to live face-to-face -face in a living, breathing, sometimes less than ideal, but oh-so-realistic relationship. And so it is with us and the divine. God became flesh, God lived among us because God was not willing to be that far off deity, that spiritual ideal. God knew that for the human and divine relationship to be real, it had to be fleshed out. And that fleshing out continues in the life of the church as the body of Christ, as we embody our faith and love for God in the efforts to live lives of love and service to one another in the world. So just like marriage, life with one another in God's reign 
is seldom perfect. It's always a work in progress. It requires work to iron out our differences and accept one another's flaws and shortcomings, to forgive one another, to trust and love, and to go forward together. It can be difficult to be the body of Christ. But on the other hand, with Jesus in the center, providing us all of the experience that we have in being closer and closer to God each and every day. Maybe we can also find it awful or awesome, amusing or beautiful and wonderful and artificial, artistic and lovely in so many ways. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.